Yo, yo, and welcome to the Professor Jones and the Digs podcast. My name is Dave Jones, and I am the Professor. Professor Jones is a podcast dedicated to the art of film and cinema. Every month, we choose a certain theme and pick three movies within that theme. Every week, we break down one of those movies for our movie of the week. And this week, we have decided to continue in the Winter Olympics month with the new arrival to the Winter Olympics movie collection, I, Tanya, the story about Tanya Harding. And we are missing... The co-host of this show this week, Mr. Danny Jones, a.k.a. The Diggs, and he has been replaced by Mr. Zach Hartman, a.k.a. Tube Sock. Say hello there, Tube Sock. Hey, how's it going? Thanks for having me. Uh, appreciate having me on again. It's always fun. Um, I am excited to take Danny's place indefinitely because he is going to be gone. You know, he's just gone forever now. So <laughs> I appreciate it. It's, good it's so be. nice that Danny disappeared off the map and you get to replace him for as long as, as long as possible. So that's great. We're excited yep. for that. But I'm I'm actually really excited that you're on this episode because you're probably the you're the figure skating guru, the guy that knows more <laughs> about figure skating than anybody I know. So uh this will be really exciting, right? Yeah, I like how you say every time I'm on that I'm the most knowledgeable person on the subject that we're talking when I'm not necessarily the most knowledgeable <laughs> in, in all reality. <laughs> Wait, did I, I said that on the V for Vendetta one. And then did I say yeah. that on the top 10? Um, you probably are more into TV shows than anybody I know. Probably. probably. I mean, like, I mean, not, maybe not anybody I know, but I don't, I know very uh, few us, people us that, four. yeah. Cause I'm more of a movie guy. I'd say you're probably more of a TV show guy than anything. A miniseries guy than movies possibly or is that incorrect uh, i don't know i almost took that as a slight dave <laughs> no slight <laughs> no slight intended no slight um no, but kidding. so we are going to get into i Tanya, and we're both looking forward to talking about that uh but before we before we do that we're going to dig into some bro down action and uh i'm going to start the bro down off this week with kind of a simple one um, but it's just to recognize a circumstance that happened in both of our lives literally like two or three hours ago that I think we were both ecstatic about. Um, we got both got an email. We both work in the education community. And in the school district that we work for, there was an email that was sent that said we have a snow day tomorrow, which means neither of us have to work tomorrow. So we are both absolutely pumped <laughs> because we get to A, so sleep exciting. in, and B, Go snag some breakfast in the morning and watch the new series, um, Altered Carbon. So looking forward to that. But how excited were you when you got the email? Or not even excited? Uh, I was I was amped. I uh yeah, I heard about it and um I was very excited because that meant, you know, on a school night you have to go to bed early. I have to wake up early, but now I gotta sleep in a little bit and we gotta watch altered carbon, which I'm excited for. Because mm -hmm. yeah, it's been about a week. I'm starting to forget stuff. I know. So I'm me glad too. we get we get the day to do that. That'll be fun. It's kind of funny one of those like situations where I feel like you like you assume that kids are so pumped about snow days, but it's like on the other side, the faculty is like yeah. just as excited, if not more. It's, <laughs> yeah, it's probably more exciting for the adults because they can actually run around and do things where kids are just kind of either stuck at home or doing whatever the parents, you know, 
you know what I mean? Like we're a lot more free as adults to do whatever we want on a snow day. You're actually going to get a pretty big surprise when we get to breakfast tomorrow morning. I have all of the, I have the entire plot and events from the Nickelodeon snow day <laughs> planned out. So we're going to try to reenact that movie as best we can run down to the, the local ice skating <laughs> rink, <laughs> throw snowballs at the bullies and all that good stuff. So I'm looking forward to it a lot, but sounds great. Sounds great. Um, but yeah, snow day, it's just such a funny turn of events and I can't believe that it happened. Unfortunately, we're going to have to make it up at some point, so it won't be fun later on, but nice sigh of relief for tomorrow. So boom. yeah, there you go. Um, but that, that's a very brief and quick bro down. Um, what, what did you have to bring to the table? I already know what it is, but I'm excited to talk about it. Uh, my bro down is, um, uh, after months of waiting, we finally got the solo solo. We finally got the solo trailer. And I, when I saw the teaser during the Super Bowl, I was just, I, I got pretty excited. I thought it looked really good. I like Alden Aaron Reich a lot. I think he was great in uh hail Caesar really enjoyed him in that. And I love best um, and only good part. Well, I liked Hail Caesar. I know, <laughs> I know, I know, I know. that you didn't like it. I know much. that you liked it, and I didn't care for it that much. But I like to make it seem worse than it actually was, just because I know that you do enjoy that movie. Yeah, I thought it was funny. Um, but I think the cast looks really good. Uh, Woody Harrelson and uh, what's his name from Community? Oh, Childish Donald Gambino. Yeah, Donald Glover. Yep, Donald Glover. Uh, so I think the cast looks good um ron howard very talented guy they got the guy who um lawrence kasdan i believe is his name he he did the script for that as well lawrence kasdan wrote the script i think well i thought i thought lord miller wrote the script i didn't i don't know maybe if he had a hand in it too but because i know that like the uh, larry kasdan he wrote uh the Force Awakens, I believe he helped a lot. Okay, he definitely right. co-wrote uh, The Last Jedi, but I don't oh. think, I don't know if he had a hand in this or not. If he did, that makes me feel better about the project, so. Okay, we got this. I'm showing, so that's all. Oh, yeah. So. What does it say? Jo- is that Kasdan? John Kasdan. And? Oh, okay. There you go. He helped write the screenplay. Who knew? Well, that's good because honestly, the reason why Empire Strikes Back is so successful as a Star Wars film is because Han Solo is such a good character in that movie. I mean, Han Solo like drives that movie from beginning to end to be so awesome. And and Larry Kasdan wrote Empire Strikes Back along with um, Irvin Kirshner, and they really built up the character of Han Solo. So if anybody's going to bring a lot of truth and like a lot of like gritty realism to that character, it's going to be Larry Kasdan. So that makes me yeah. very excited. Lair Bear, we're back in business, baby. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know, man. I've been like... Because I was so excited for Han Solo um, or Solo, a Star Wars story or whatever the heck we're going with nowadays. Um, I was so excited for that movie because uh, Lord and Miller were in charge of the project. And I've, I really enjoy those guys. They did uh, the Lego movie. And then they also did 21 and 22 Jump Street, which were kind of surprise hits. They were just 
hilarious films. So I right. kind of thought that that was going to be such an interesting take on a Star Wars film. And then, like, to have them... I think they literally got fired off the project, and then they brought in Ron Howard to kind of sweep up the mess. It's like, oh, it's just such a concerning and weird turn of events that it's like, how are they going to turn this movie around? And, I mean, the same thing happened with, like, Justice League, which was probably for the betterment of that movie. But, um, I mean, this movie is... I am not getting my hopes up for it. I am trying so hard not to. But, I mean, you cannot deny that that trailer was sick. And like right. super exciting, and I love seeing all of that. Um, but I thought the, I think that the, I can't remember the guy's name that does the cinematography, cinematography for it. But he's like super good, and I, I heard that this movie is going to be very, very beautiful. Um, but I think that they nailed the actor with uh, Donald Glover as Lando. I can't even. I mean, that's perfect casting. Yeah, I, I can't think of anybody better. He's a pretty talented kid. Um, so it's cool to see him. You know, start to. And I mean, it's, it's cool that, you know, he's, he's a musician and an actor, so it'll be really cool to see this really multi-talented guy take on this beloved character that we all know so well. Same yeah. with Alden. I mean, I think, yeah, cause that's, that's something you were saying with like Alden Ehrenreich being so good in uh hail Caesar. And then I remember, I remember back in the day I went to that film, beautiful creatures. It was a like stupid one about the witches and stuff. Like it was just another one of those teen, um, fantasy books that was really popular for like a second. Um, but I went and saw that and he was the co-lead in that. And I walked out of the theater and I remember saying, I didn't like that movie, but that main guy, he was great. Like he was the only redeeming part of that movie. Nice. And so I think regardless, I think that, I think that he can pull this off. It just comes down to whether we, if he's, if he gets too lost in trying to be the Han Solo that we know and love, or if he's able to create something, something that like harkens back to what Harrison Ford did, but kind of forge something new for himself. Because I think if he just walks through the entire plot and does a Harrison Ford Han Solo impression, then uh, I just don't know if it's going to, I don't know if it's going to be great. You know what I mean? No, I agree. I don't know if it would work out so well for him because I mean, they're totally different people, different, they're different actors, you know? Um, So I think for Alden to, you know, be brave and take that, take that leap and just kind of forge his own Han Solo. I think it's a necessity. And I mean, just the amount of pressure I can't, I can't yeah. fathom how hard it would be to be like, all right, you're going to be the next solo. So, <laughs> many, <laughs> yeah. you know, so many people over generations. Yeah. Here, decades. Let's, let's put you into one of the most beloved characters of all time and one of the greatest actors that like this century has ever known or the previous centuries ever. I mean, it's just right. like, dude, that you couldn't you couldn't have bigger shoes to fill. So good luck. Yeah, it would be scary. Yeah. So and hats off to him. Your entire career is riding on this. We'll see. <laughs> but I mean, I I think that like they couldn't have had anybody. I don't, I don't see them getting somebody better for the role either. So if if There's, he doesn't pull it off, I don't know if it's necessarily his fault. You know what I mean? Right. Like I don't I don't I think it's more a flaw in just the idea of it of trying to pull off a Han Solo movie, and right. we're all just like, no, we we know who Han Solo is because it's like you know, uh, Obi Wan, uh, you know, 
Ewan McGregor playing Obi-Wan. He kind of did like an Alec, Alec Guinness um, impression, but he also kind of just hello did. Hello there. Yeah. Hello there. He just kind of did his own <laughs> thing. So it, 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 made it, it made it work in that sense. And I'm, I'm trying to think of like other examples of people playing an older character, but just kind of doing it a different different way. So I don't know. I think, I think that we could be onto something really great here. I think we also could be in for an absolute just – disappointment beyond comparison so well there's a movie and i'm not sure what it is but there's an actor who plays a young harrison ford um and they considered and a lot of people have been like why didn't you just get that guy he's the same guy that does like the robin williams impression right i'm not sure i mean i'd i'd have to look at him up but yeah there he played Harrison Ford, I believe, but I, I couldn't tell you the movie or the guy's name. Yeah. Um, I think I know, I know a couple of guys that I can think of two. There's one, like it's that guy that was in the walking dead. He's like Richard Marquand or not Richard Marquand. That's the guy that directed, uh, something like Ross Marquand or something like that. But, uh, I know you're talking about anyway. Um, I don't know. Other than that though, like, do you think that, like plot wise, where do you see this movie focusing on? Do you do you see it as kind of just the whole the gambling between Han Solo and Lando Calrissian, and just focusing on that and like getting the Falcon? Or do you think that I always thought that for some reason that Chewie and Han went back farther than that age? You know what I mean? Like them meeting when he's supposedly like in his early twenties or something like that. I figured that they'd been around for much longer than that, so. I don't know. I found that kind of interesting. I I guess I always sort of had it in my head that uh, Chewie kind of uh, was Han's uh, adoptive <laughs> parent, father. Right. Because um, I think there was supposed to be, they had thought about putting um, a young Han Solo, like a child Han Solo in episode three, and he was going to lead obi-wan to the wookies i thought uh that that was an idea that they had tossed around obviously it didn't make it into the film but um and then i've also heard you know that he's going to be uh you know mid 20s and he's going to save chewy and chewy owes him a life debt and that's why chewy sticks around initially anyway what a weird thing though hey i saved your life now you're just gonna serve me for the rest of your life i always i mean oh, i feel like, like jar jar yeah i feel like they chewy doesn't mind though he's like han's a pretty cool dude no this is a pretty no, fun exactly life. i'm in yeah i always like that relationship between those two what cool characters what about uh i know what's it amelia clark yep pretty. okay so here's my here's my theory is that she's gonna be um when he's in the flight academy at the beginning it'll show like a younger version of Alden. So I think he'll be doing his flight Academy stuff and ultimately fail out of it, obviously. But in the course of that, he'll meet this Imperial lady who is Amelia. And I think, um, they'll part ways and then they'll meet back up later in the movie and she'll be like, Oh yeah, he's pretty cool. I, I'll come to the light side or the smuggler side um, and be around for the Han Solo adventures. And then I bet 
she doesn't make it. <laughs> yeah, she's gonna she's gotta die. Yeah. Or no. And then they get together and she gets pregnant and then that's when Luke is born. <laughs> Rewrite the entire Star Wars history. Such an idiot just doesn't even know her. <laughs> oh, is that where Luke and Leia came from? Is that when Han Solo was with her? Like, gosh, dude, do you even Star Wars? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, man, I'm I'm excited for it. It could go one of like three ways. It could be really bad. It could be really good or it could be fine or it could be like somewhere in the middle of any of those. There's a lot of ways it can go. It can be on any <laughs> spectrum. More than just three ways. <laughs> it can be on any <laughs> spectrum from really bad to really good anywhere in between. So I guess we'll just have to wait to see. <laughs> so just like every other movie. <laughs> <laughs> literally, literally like every other single movie. <laughs> but yeah, great. So without further ado, Let's get into the film, I, Tanya that came out in 2017. Um, I was really looking forward to I, Tanya because um, I didn't necessarily know that much about the I, Tanya or <laughs> the I, Tanya, the Tanya Harding story. It's like something that I remember being around. And I think I was a little, I mean, I think we were a little bit too young. It was, the culmination yeah, it was, was in like, what, 94 or something like that? Yeah, I think the attack happened in... 91 well it was the 91 olympics i believe no it was 94 it couldn't have been yeah it was 1994 the it was the 91 it was 91 uh i read 1991 somewhere i thought maybe it was for like a qualifying event or something i think that's when she did the triple axel i think that's when she did the triple axel and then she was the 1994 olympics she like made it into and then she and everything happened and that's it lead up to the 94 olympics um but i i think it i mean obviously we were a little young so like it kind of missed us it's much like the oj simpson thing where it's like i vaguely like remember it going down but i mean not really anything that i truly remember um but Again, like I said, it's just something that you, it was kind of there. Uh, but I also am just really fascinated by figure skating. Every time the Winter Olympics come on, I just completely zone in and love watching it because it is the degree of difficulty in executing some of the moves that they do. It's just right. it's not fathomable, you know? Like I can't imagine having to do that, especially on the large stage of the Olympics. So oh, I'm a suck about pressure. Oh, I know. It's just the worst. Um, but and so I couldn't imagine I couldn't imagine the pressure that they're under. Um, and so but I'm, I'm just a sucker for anything Winter Olympics. And you know what? There's a lot of there's a lot of hype going into this movie of saying it was like the uh, like Goodfellas on ice or something like that or the female version of Goodfellas, stuff like right. that, where you're like, OK, geez, what are we getting into? Because obviously, you know, the, you know, the story a little bit, but um, mm-hmm. it was it was interesting to see to see their take on it. And um, generally, my, my reaction was I, I really liked this movie. Um Honestly, it's not something I necessarily like see myself watching too many more times. Um, if somebody asked me to watch I Tanya, I'd be like, Yeah, sure, you know, it's a good movie. Um right. not like you some... set out to watch it though. Yeah, it's not like I'm gonna go out I'm I, like ran out to buy this on Blu-ray and, you know, keep it on the shelf or anything. But it definitely was a super good movie and uh it was far funnier than I was expecting it to be. It was borderline a comedy. So that was I think it was a just a dark comedy straight up. Yeah. I think, like, I think I that, it was that was very funny. Yeah. I was laughing the entire way through. Um, so, but what were your general reactions? Um, 
to to Itania. I know it's been it's been like at least a week and a half since I've seen it, maybe two weeks. And I think no, it's you even, got me beat. I'm like a month <laughs> since I've seen it. Um, yeah, exactly. So we're both a little far out on this, but right. Uh, I, like you said too, I really enjoyed it. Um, I'm also pretty uh, entertained um, by ice skating. Like just this last one, I was watching it, and they were talking about how when they do these moves like the triple axel, for example. I think they were even maybe even talking about the triple axel, but the force that they generate when they land on one leg backwards is 550 pounds on yeah. one leg. Yeah, on I remember hearing that. A tight wire. It's insane. Yeah. Like, Snappy like a toothpick. A yeah, there's no way. I, I could start practicing today and never be close to that ability you know no i will never just, be able to do that it's just a lifelong dedication um and i thought they did a good job of showing that mm-hmm. it's, in actually, the movie. it's actually funny i was talking to my mom the other day and we were watching the olympics and she was, and oh it was when we were watching this because i was like you know geez maybe if you guys just pushed me a little harder when i was younger i'd have something like this you, you know <laughs> <laughs> and she was like yeah sorry we just kind of like praised your uh or you know accepted your accomplishments as they were and, and i was just like no there's no hope of any of your kids ever winning a gold medal in anything <laughs> like, you could have pushed us as hard as you wanted i don't think any of us would ever want a gold medal so i wouldn't worry about it too much but right anyway um yeah but keep please um, go on but yeah i mean uh so yeah i enjoy um the winter olympics and ice skating in particular is really fun um but the movie i thought like you said it was very funny um it was very fresh i was surprised at how good the acting was like i i like sebastian stan and margot robbie and allison janney but they like they brought it to this movie and they really did a good job. Like Sebastian Stan blew me away with his portrayal of uh, Jeff Galuli. He was really good. And it's a very like understated performance because I feel like he's just kind of the character that you don't love anyway. Mm-hmm. And but you do have to recognize that he did play that very well. And he was a super weird, awkward, shady dude the entire way through the movie. Right. And you're like, gosh. That is pretty impressive. So, yeah. And he lost a lot of weight, too. He didn't have that Bucky build that he had in the Avengers movies by any means. Man, that's the thing, though, is, like, I really liked the Winter Soldier. I was so over that character, though. Like, the just like the Bucky Barnes bit of having him come back, and then he shows up again in Civil War. I was like, I'm sorry. I'm I'm done. I'm done with He's this gonna character. He's going to be in the next one, too. It's so... Oh, it's just like, why are we keeping... Why are we keeping so many of these guys around? Like, same with, like, War Machine, like Don Cheadle. Like, why do you need him in these... Uh, it's just too much. It's too much for me. But anyway, that's my rant on too many characters being in the Avengers. In the Avengers. <laughs> <laughs> but... Um, yeah, I thought that he did a good job. Before we get into the, the actors, um, the director is named uh, Craig Gillespie. Did you look up anything okay. on Craig Gillespie? I actually, I haven't. I don't know anyone about or anything about the writers or the directors. So, Well, the director's name or the writer is Stephen Rogers, who I literally know nothing about um, and I won't know anything about either. So 
but he, Craig Gillespie, he directed Lars and the Real Girl. I don't know if you okay. ever saw that. Yeah, with Gosling. Yeah, I never Long ended up seeing ago. it. Uh, but he also directed The Finest Hours, uh, Million Dollar Arm, and oh yeah, so and then he directed Fright Night in 2011. But going back to one of my absolute favorites in 2007 he directed mr woodcock so hmm. <laughs> like i didn't know that his first movie was like mr woodcock like the uh um is that the one with kevin spacey no no it's the billy bob thornton one where he's the, the uh, okay billy bob thornton when he's like the the coach that picked on sean william oh. scott in high school and oh my uh, gosh. he starts yeah. dating his mom i dude i i remember seeing it like the one time and it was such a bad like just not a movie that you care to ever see or talk about again but i was thinking of the kevin costner movie where he's like an assassin it's mr something mr uh oh uh uh mr oh yeah i know mr marks or banks or something i don't remember not saving mr banks that was tom hanks (laughs) (laughs) dude oh that sucks so i know what i know what movie you're talking about you know what movie i'm talking i know exactly what movie you're talking about that's kind of what i was thinking about but i was but oh well Um, i do remember mr woodcock yeah, Mr. Woodcock is so stupid. But it's just kind of – it's funny to see like, you know, this this caliber of a movie direct – you know, and you look back and that guy's uh, in his history and he directed Mr. Woodcock. And it's like, good for you, man. But also, hey, yeah, you know what? Up. He brought a lot of that humor in and um, I don't – I think that that's where this movie succeeds is that it was wildly funny. Um, but Sebastian Stan did a great job. Uh, Margot Robbie – where can we just put her in everything? She's just so good. And I feel like she's like on dangerous. She's on thin ice, as thin they say, ice, you know, what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, but uh, I think that I think she needs to make sure to pick the correct projects, because although the um, Harvey Qu- Harvey Quinn. Harley Quinn, there it is. Harley Quinn, she did a fantastic job, but Suicide Suicide Squad was horrible. So you gotta you gotta okay. watch out for movies like that. You know what I mean? And so it's good to see her in a movie like this where she is acting at full capacity and she gets recognized and she did get nominated for uh, best actress. So she won't win it, but no. But that's awesome that she was nominated and she did such a great job. And to her defense. Suicide Squad should have been good. Um, and it was. Actors, it was a smart decision on and any the actors, actors in part. it. I think everyone except for uh, that model that was in the Valerian movie. Everyone, pretty much, but her. I was like, yeah, not bad. Yeah, I but think the problem the with writing. that movie was that it, the the writing was so bad, and it was just such a crappy movie. But the characters and the way the the actors that portrayed them were actually really good. Will Smith, man, he was great in that. I I really yeah. enjoyed. But anyway, um, Margot Robbie's so good. I've been the guy from Altered Carbon. He's in that too. Which guy? Isn't he? He's he's the human. He's the man that the geologist, the model lady. The Aztec lady, isn't that her boyfriend? I don't remember, dude. I'm pretty sure it is. Pretty sure that's the guy from Altered Carbon. Could also be. In House of Cards. Great. 
<laughs> Another Kevin Spacey. <laughs> I do not remember, but oh yeah, we're are we not supposed to mention Kevin Spacey anymore? Is that like a, <laughs> <laughs> Don't ever talk about it. It's it's past the point of him not being in anything. We have to erase the fact that he wasn't anything. It's like you bring right. up bring up uh, seven guys. But oh boom, nailed it. He was in Suicide was. Squad. All right. He was in RoboCop? Was he RoboCop? He's Alex Murphy. No way. He was Robo- he Cop was RoboCop. I forgot about <laughs> that. I saw that movie once. It was fine. If any movie deserves a remake, it is RoboCop. It's unfortunate that it didn't do so well. But anywho. Yeah. Um, I, Tanya. <laughs> Margot Robbie. Loved her ever since... Oh, the Wolf, Wolf of Wall, Wall Street. Street. She's fantastic. Uh, Alice and Janney, though. If anybody's, if this movie's going to get an Oscar for anything, Alice and Janney is going to take the Oscar. And I agree. I don't see, I don't see how she doesn't. But it, it should be a good year. It should be a good year for that category. So I am, I am excited about that. But uh, I thought her performance was hysterical, and mm-hmm. I understand that her character wasn't like in all of the movie and didn't need to be in a hundred percent of the story. Um, but there was a while there where she wasn't in the movie and I felt like the movie was lacking a little bit for it, but she brings it up when she, you know, it cuts to her and she's like, you know, like I'm not even in this movie at all right now or something like that. So, which brings right. up an interesting point. What did you think about the breaking the fourth wall there? They did it a couple times when she's like, this didn't happen, and she shoots the shotgun. Um, I like it when they break the fourth wall, but I'm a Woody Allen fan, and he did that a lot, a lot of breaking the fourth wall. I think it's funny, and it engages the audience. uh, And in this day and age, it's not as off-putting maybe as it was back then because we're so used to movies portraying real life. I mean broken record uh this is the end you know yeah yeah just portraying real life so just to you really engage love that movie. and include i sure do <laughs> to engage and include the audience i think is and especially a movie like this and a movie where so many people have uh such polarizing opinions maybe no. not polarizing because i think you know i i think a lot of people stand pretty firmly against Tanya Harding, but this movie, if it did anything really well, it portrayed her in a more positive light than maybe, you know, maybe, uh, people had initially thought. Yeah, no, that's, that's a really good point. I don't know if I want to get into that right now or wait till later, Yeah, we can but like wait. what we the intent wait. of the movie was. Um, but yeah, I thought the breaking the fourth wall was pretty sweet. I was, I thought, I mean, obviously like a lot of those were, a lot of the stuff was just interviews, which there literally are those interviews that you can look up online. And I looked up a couple of them. Um, and they kind of just redid that for the effect of the movie. But then there are a lot of those scenes where, you know, she's like, turns around, it happened like this, or, uh, you know, just spots within the movie where it actually shows them turn to the camera and say something. And you're like, gosh, that's so cool that it just recognizes that it's a movie and it's just yeah. portraying events that may or may not have happened like this. Um, so I thought right. that was, I thought that was a stroke of genius. Um, other than that, I, yeah, the film editing was really cool too. I thought there was a lot of quick cuts and, uh, really, really smooth transitions. So I thought that was, uh, I thought that was impressive as well. What's the other thing it's nominated for Oscar for? for an oscar for is it editing 
I don't know. It's it's best actress and supporting actress, and then something else, something else, um, something else. It's a very uh, very female centered movie. Very yeah yeah. That's why Danny. Didn't well, want I mean Danny. that's the. <laughs> that's why Danny's not doing this. <laughs> he's he's a well known sexist, so he didn't want to <laughs> Just kidding. No, and no, and to to talk more about Allison Janney, man, I've loved her since she was uh Miss Perky in Ten Things I Can Oh my gosh, dude. Uh, I completely spaced that. I totally spaced oh, that. Oh, she is great in that movie. Cat. Cat. Gosh. Okay. What's she better in this Aren't or that? Are we the optimist? <laughs> What's she better in this or 10 Things I Hate About You? Oh, I, Tanya, for sure. She has a much more central role and it's a more compelling character than uh, just, uh, I mean, don't get me wrong. She was like a great, funny, sarcastic guidance counselor, but I think this is just a more... Uh, Juicy role. <laughs> Juicy. So she, she can sink her teeth into this role. <laughs> <laughs> Why would you choose that word? <laughs> no. I don't know. Tasty. <laughs> A nice tasty roll. Delicious, some would say. <laughs> Delicious roll. <laughs> <laughs> uh, much like Red Lobster. Um, anyway. Delicious so, rolls. Yeah. Any anything you want to bring up? Like, how does this movie start out? I think it it shows kind of just the events um, leading up to how she became a figure skater and shows how how hard her mother was on her when she was younger. You know, sitting there smoking a cigarette on the ice and swearing in front of all the other mothers and all the all the children and stuff. And uh, I I really liked all of that bit and just how amazing Tanya Tanya Harding was at skating. And it's kind of hard to. It's kind of hard to not acknowledge the fact that this kid's incredible. It's just her mother's horrible. Um, but I think well, that and it's she does sorry. have a she does have a rant at some point in the movie where she says, you know, like did you know I hated my mother that didn't you know you don't see me crying about it like I I gave you something better than love. I made you a champion. I did all of this yeah. for a reason, and I made you what you are, and you should be thankful. And so, and I'm not taking like the the stance that I support her her as a mother at all. But I think it is like it is worth noting that figure skating is so expensive, and for her to like pay for Tanya to have all that training, and you know they weren't a very uh, wealthy family at all. They were actually living below the poverty line because she gave so much money to train Tanya, and mm-hmm. um, and she just worked that poor little girl to the nubs, you know. But yeah. then she freaking was in the Olympics, you know. I mean, that's it's crazy. I mean, that sucks it that is. you had a childhood that was that horrible. But I guess at the same time, you were at the Olympics, so I mean, I don't know. That's right. First first woman to land the triple axle and competitive ice skating mm-hmm. like that yeah. at that high of a level which is so different from a triple lutz um <laughs> <laughs> which i i don't have any idea of which are either <laughs> i fully understand it no seriously dude i'll watch any ice skating thing and like tara lipinski and johnny weir were talking about it the other night and they're like going over the differences and it's like it just slides into my brain and right back out because they say it and i watch them do a trick and i'm like I don't see any difference. I can't even count the rotations. <laughs> it's happening so fast too. You know oh what I mean? Oh my gosh. They spin so fast. Even the guys. It's the crazy. only difference is that I can see the guys do the quads. Like I get it because they're in the air for a long time. And I'm like, oh, okay. That was huge. 
but yeah. So anyways, um, but I mean, it is, it is an interesting like thing where she says that in the movie and you're like, that's a, I mean, that's, you were a horrible mother, but you did just ride this girl so hard that she did make it into the Olympics. Um, but yeah, very interesting beginning to the movie. I really enjoyed that whole section. Um, and then when it gets into when she's a little bit older and, you know, the, the whole conversations between her and her mother when, you know, th- throws the knife into her leg and all that stuff and just. Such... Oh, that was, <laughs> that was funny. I seriously, because I didn't know that. And that actually happened. Like, that's a real thing. Um, gosh, but I like let out an audible gasp. Like, oh, my gosh. I can't believe that she just threw a knife at her own daughter. What is wrong with you? <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I, I liked uh, the young Tanya Harding. The little girl that played her was very funny. Um, mm-hmm. and, but it's also, I mean, what a, she had a very heartbreaking childhood. The only like positive, uh, male role model, you know, left her that scene when he drove away was very sad and mm, yeah, just really, really tough childhood. And it's, it's tough to be in a sport like that. I would imagine since I didn't do it, but a sport like that, that did require so much money and to look so fancy and she's just this other side of the tracks, low income girl that can, she does have the chops, but she doesn't have the look. And ultimately, you know, that's, that does kind of, that's kind of her downfall. I mean, later in the movie, you start to see like, she's not getting as high of scores because she's not as presentable, doesn't have the ideal nuclear family that Mm -hmm. they want her to have, but she still is recognized as being one of the best figure skaters at that time. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And that's, man, that's something that like kind of blew my mind just to talk about like the real story um, as well as the, as the, the movie. But I mean, the amount of money that it takes to do all this stuff is just like ridiculous. And so when I was looking to, I guess the mom had like three jobs, that's what she was doing. And they, I think they embellished her a little bit in the movie, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. I can, I can definitely believe the three jobs to pay for it. It's insane how much money you have to have. Yeah, no, it's incredible. It's ridiculous. And so when she's, you know, sitting there begging with the judges, like, what do I need to do to get a, to get a better score? You know, like if you give me $5,000, I'll come up with a better routine and all, all that stuff. And it's just like, right, if you pay for my outfit. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's like, how do people even get into this? Like you have to be like from a wealthy family or something. Like, well, I you mean, and that's just like so many things though, you know, it's like right. you want to be a Silver professional spoon. skier or snowboarder. Your parents have to be able to afford a lift ticket every year or a season right. pass every year for you or stuff like that. Actually, you know? I, I kind of have a funny story. So my aunt, uh, lived in Rocky river, Ohio, and, uh, she was the secretary at a school there. And one of the students many years ago, not too many, was uh, Red, whatever his name, Gerard. the Slope style. Yeah. He was a little student there, little weird alien baby. Um, uh, but she, <laughs> what? She, said, she, she said he looked like a little weird alien baby. Oh, really? <laughs> and I was like, yeah, he didn't really grow out of that. Yeah. <laughs> but um, anyway, she said she, uh, just one day, the mom, walked in. She's like, yeah, we're moving to Colorado. And she had told me that the family was very wealthy. And that just lends to, if you want to be an Olympic competitor, you probably do have to be pretty wealthy. Yeah. You're probably pretty well off. 
That's so interesting, though, because and like if you are like Tanya Harding and you are just like, yeah, I'm so good at skating, like I'm incredible. What do you do to be able to pursue your dream? You know, do you, you Mm -hmm. know, hit like I mean, even now it's like we have stuff like GoFundMe or something like that. Like, please donate to my whatever that she could possibly do, you know, get me to the Olympics. But gosh, at that time, I can't even imagine like how difficult that was for her to try to figure out how to get there um but yeah so i I, go ahead i thought i saw something before the olympics started uh just an article in my google app that i didn't read it but i just saw the title and it talked about how there's a substantial number of olympians that are living below the poverty line because i mean i i don't know do you make do you get money when you win you get money for winning um uh from from how i understand it you you receive money if you win uh you know championships and stuff like that so it's like if you won the u.s figure skating championships or whatever they're called uh you'd you'd receive a lot of money or if you won the olympics i think that you receive i think you receive quite a bit if you get a gold medal in the olympics like at least i think it's something like couple hundred thousand i have no idea though i don't know what they're doling out for those um but so i think that that would definitely take some pressure off your back and then a lot of them are receiving um receiving sponsorships sponsorships as well but i mean geez you know it's like they're probably handing out sponsors you know sponsors are willing to pay figure skaters and stuff like that but you know if you're in the old uh cross country ring or something like that it's like probably not making too much yeah yeah like the lower like the lower uh viewed and beloved sports in the olympics there's plenty of them Mm -hmm. they're not they're not making sponsorship money and Mm -hmm. i mean like and we were talking about this the other day like where do you go to practice luge yeah exactly (laughs) i mean like that dude that facility that they they came up with um in pyeongchang I think I was I heard that it cost something like 10 million bucks to to make or something like that. Maybe it was even more than that. It was like it was so such an expensive facility, like just ridiculous. And so it's like, yeah, where do you go to practice luge or skeleton or anything? It's kind of just like, yeah, I just am pretty good at sledding. And every once in a while, I go down a huge luge uh you know, or I'll, I'll run a hose down the local big splash and right. <laughs> let it freeze over the winter. <laughs> Go but down I mean, the water slide. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's just, it's ridiculous. And I think that there are a lot of Olympians that like are just pretty much average Joes that like do this stuff on the weekends that, and I mean, a lot of those like lesser known sports, like curling or something like that, where you're just kind of like, <laughs> yeah, I, <laughs> You know, this guy works at, yeah, this guy works at Home Depot, but he also is representing our country in the Olympics, <laughs> <laughs> you know, like it's very much a situation like that. Um, right. Anyway, where were we with, uh, I, Tanya, like that was a rant. Uh, so she, well, money. Yeah. Yeah. So she's struggling financially to, to make ends meet. And so then we see that when she really starts competing, she gets her coach and she goes in and it shows her struggling with the, the judges and them saying, okay, well, you know, if it, 
she's like, why isn't it just the skating? And they're like, we do take presentation into consideration too. And then she kindly says something that's very inappropriate to the judges and skates away. Um, <laughs> but, you know, she asked them for the $5,000. Apparently $5, she didn't say that. Yeah, I heard that she said um, – I can't remember what she said. It wasn't that bad. But there's a couple right. of embellishments in the script here. Um, so. Anyway, but yeah, I did – I think that one of my favorite parts of the movie though is when she does like – or no, she – well, just real quick. She meets Jeff Galuli and then they start falling in love and then they get married and throughout this entire process, she's being uh, abused and like beat Just up really quickly, bef- before you get into that, just because one of my favorite lines is Alice and Janie saying to her um, – to put it nicely, you hook up with stupid, you don't marry stupid. Yeah. I loved that line. Yeah. But I continue because the abuse aspect of it was so sad. And, and that's another part. Sorry, I'm just going off. I'm sort of stealing you away, but go the for it, baby. Way they portrayed the, uh, the, the violence was very raw and believable. Like it almost seemed like Sebastian Stan and Margot Robbie were like, we should just like hit each other. Yeah, like legitimately beat each other up. Really, it looked real. <laughs> mm-hmm. No, it did. Yeah, it was very, it was very realistic. Um, and so that that was a whole another thing where she, you know, she comes from this mother who slaps her all the time and beats her and throws knives at her and stuff, and then she marries this guy when she's like what, like seventeen or something. She was like below eighteen mm-hmm. years old when she got married to this guy, and then he starts beating the crap out of her too. And it's like, gosh, talk about just. Not a good life. And, you know, it's just to think about this this woman that just is, you know, one of the best figure skaters, like, in world history, not just American history. Um, but she just was living such a shoddy life. You know what I mean? Well, like, it's I just do. bizarre. I, I think there was also a part in the movie, um, you've seen it more recently, so correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe there's a part where she she – speaks to the audience and says, you know, I thought this was normal. I thought, um, you know, it was, it was a normal thing for like, for us, you know, that's like, Oh, that's so awful. Like that should never happen. But for her, it was just normal. And she just normalized it and had accepted that that's how people, uh, display anger Mm -hmm. to her, that she just gets physically abused and that's normal to her, Mm -hmm. which is really sad. It is really sad, and it does, like, you watch movies like this and you just kind of think about, you know, it is so weird to us because it is foreign to us, you know, and thinking about a life in which you were, you did experience that, like, on a daily or weekly basis from your parents or something like that, it's just, uh, it's very, it's it's weird how somebody could normalize that, but if you didn't know Mm -hmm. anything else, then what would you do? Um, so yeah, I, that was, that was heartbreaking. That whole, that whole bit was like, they did it in like a funny way. So it like made light of the situation, but it was like, at the same time, you do recognize how horrible it was. Um, so, but then I think that that's like getting to my favorite part. Uh, one of my favorite scenes is when she lands the triple axle and there's like so much suspense and build up to that, to that moment. And then she does, 
and like everybody i think it shows her and jeff say something and maybe even her mother says it too but everything changed when she landed the triple you know or everything changed when i landed the triple and it like it does she just suddenly became like a world-class athlete and like was recognized on a global scale and was you know a competitor for the olympics and all this stuff and her life just suddenly turns around and she thinks she can do without jeff and i that whole that whole scene was cool and at the at the time i remember watching watching that scene and watching her skate and they did such a good job. And I know that they used a lot of CGI to create that moment of the triple axle. But I thought that that was such an interesting scene that I was like, man, I kind of wish that this wasn't about the whole scandal. I kind of just wish I was watching a movie about somebody going to the Olympics for figure skating. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. cause it would be kind of road it, to glory. Yeah. It's cause I just do love the Olympics and there's multiple movies where I just get like super jacked about it. Um, but then the movie does progress in the way that it does. And it is super, super good. Um, but yeah, that was, that was a super enjoyable, enjoyable moment of the movie. Um, do you have anything to say before we get into kind of the controversy here? Um, I don't think so. I think, uh, we covered pretty much everything that I want to cover. Um, so the big moment in this movie comes when it gets to the controversial aspect and how it all went down. Now the movie plays it out that there was a death threat against Tanya Harding And that gave them the idea that maybe if they issued a death threat against Nancy Kerrigan, that she might be enticed to back out of the competition. And so that was the whole idea. And in the movie's perspective, it seems as though it is Jeff Galuli and Tanya Harding coming up with the idea for, or mostly just Jeff Galuli and the Sean character coming up with the idea. But Tanya Harding is very, very aware of it. And then as the... As the concept develops, uh, they get farther and farther in on making this happen. But Tanya Harding does not care, it seems. She is aware that it's going on, but she really does not care about it because it doesn't seem important. She's more focused on the competition aspect of what's going on. Um, So I found that very interesting, and I'm kind of curious how uh, the real-life events played out. Uh, But... In either case, it seems as though then this Sean character began operating independently and he came up with the idea of having somebody actually bash Nancy Kerrigan's leg in, uh, her landing leg, which would be, is it a right leg? Is that what it is? Uh, I can't remember which leg. I'm trying to think just the shot. I think I think it was her right leg. I think I it think is. He comes in from behind her obviously has to be behind her mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah so well they so they pay these guys these random guys oh that's actually one of my favorite lines of the movie i forgot to bring that up um is the sean character who is absolutely hysterical uh he says you're going to need to even the playing field i know a guy i shouldn't even be saying his name Derek. <laughs> yeah he immediately actually says his name um but so that guy seems to have come up with the idea. Uh, but the actual act itself of bashing in Nancy Kerrigan's leg kind of took me by surprise. It would, it seemed as though like the whole movie would be building to this point. Uh, but then it kind of just hit like, I don't know, an hour and 15 minutes into the movie or something like that. Well, and they make mention to it. They're like, uh, so now let's talk about the incident. 
It's the moment you've all been waiting for. It was, uh, I think they did a good job of showing how inept these guys were in the nerves of, um, just how nervous this, uh, Shane, Shane was in doing the actual deed. Is that the guy's name, Shane, that actually pulled it off? So I just took some notes. So Sean is the guy that's the, um, bodyguard, the self-appointed bodyguard, the self-appointed bodyguard that actually is also a worldwide renowned spy and espionage. Right. Uh, no, you, you can check the records. <laughs> but you but you but you aren't sean you understand that but i am but i am <laughs> and honestly um, like this is just to go into sean for a second this guy is so deluded and so ridiculous and they portray him a little bit more than he actually is in real life but if you look up the if you look up the youtube interviews and stuff with diane sawyer it's not too far off base like he actually no. is legitimately like that. He is just a completely delusional human being. So um, anyway, seems but seems like kind of an idiot. I agree. Yeah, he's just a moron. But go ahead. Oh uh, yeah, so Sean was the bodyguard, and then Shane is the one that actually did the assault, and then Derek Smith was the driver that circled around in the videotapes and was at the wrong place for like a week. Yeah, yeah. Or whatever. And then they get up, they end up getting like arrested or something. And he's like, next time you want to pull something off, don't, or you want to accept money for something like this, don't put it on your visa. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he just actually, they transferred money that way instead of using cash or doing it in any smart way. Oh my gosh. Right. It's amazing. Um, but yeah, so that was, that was super interesting. And I thought that they, portrayed nancy kerrigan uh getting hit in the leg really well uh i also have seen that a couple times um just the actual footage of that happening to her absolutely heartbreaking but i mean she ends up pulling it off anyway so uh right and you know like tanya harding said you know she got hit in the leg once i got beat every day of my life it's like okay is that you know it still happened to her when she didn't deserve it and not that you deserved Mm -hmm. anything either but um I don't know. It's just such an interesting, interesting thing. Um, And I was, I was looking too, and apparently she didn't break her knee. She only, it was only bruised. I mean, obviously it would hurt terribly, but. It wasn't as successful as they wanted it to be. Wanted it. Yeah, right. It was just, they, you know, banged her, banged her knee up real quick and then sent her on her way and it didn't really do as much damage as they were hoping. So, um, but yeah, I thought that that whole that whole portion was very interesting. But it's more the it's more the reaction afterward um, when Jeff Galuli uh, finds out that Sean went ahead and did something more ridiculous than he had thought, and then Tanya, then he's starting to voice his concerns to Tanya, and Tanya's like, "What we." did we have anything to do with this? And she doesn't realize that any of it's going on. Uh, I found all of that according to the movie. Yes, exactly. According to the movie. Um, and I, I found all of that very interesting. And if that's how it all played out, then uh, we I mean, we can get into that. Um, I do just to focus on Sean for like a second. I 
the scenes when he is in his parents' house and he's making all the plans happen, and then afterward when Jeff confronts him about what actually happened and he says that he orchestrated this whole thing because it's what needed to be done and he is so triumphant, and then the FBI comes and knocks on his door and they're interrogating him, and he breaks immediately and goes, it was Jeff, it was Jeff Galuli. Yeah. <sighs> and he like immediately lets out this big sigh of relief and puts his head down. Oh, man, I, I laughed so so loud that was that gave me a good uh good hearty chuckle ho 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 belly laugh santa so it was very yeah very effective comedically um no the guy that played sean <clears throat> he did such a good job at playing just such a buffoon i mean this guy just did all the wrong things and just thought so much more of himself than what he actually was and he was very funny i mean like we've said before this movie had some really good humor in it and some really dark, dark humor. Mm -hmm. Well, and that's also, you know, it's one of those stories that you can't really write this. You know what I mean? Yeah. So although it's a very, it's a very well-made screenplay and a good, and a good movie, uh, it's also just the story is so ridiculous that how can you not be just completely fascinated and enraptured by what is going on? Because it's, it's very unbelievable. You know what I mean? Exactly. And I think that yeah. that's, that's why it was so captivating for the nation because it was like, are you kidding me? These this figure skating uh, girl, her husband, and some other guy decided to try to take out Nancy Carey. I mean, it's just, can you believe that this is happening type of deal? Mm -hmm. um, it's actually very interesting, too, because um, Tanya Harding uh, is from Portland, Oregon, and the right. the ice rink that she skated in is Clackamas Town Center, um, and that's where Danny, the Diggs, and I uh, are from, and that was actually fairly close to a lot of family that we have. So anyway, we at the at the time, Danny and I were living in that area, so very fun. But, oh wow, uh, you guys could have ran into Tanya at some point. I know, yeah. I don't think we had moved to Montana yet at that point, so I think that yeah, very interesting. We might have even seen her. Who knows? But um, yeah, I just the story is so interesting, and the execution of it in the movie is is they play it up for a lot of laughs, and it is super funny. Um, but I think that they do that they do hit on the emotional sentiment sentiment of it as well because it is it is very sad uh what happened uh, first of all nancy kerrigan uh but also um it does make you feel emotion for tanya harding whether uh it's deserved yeah. or not uh you do feel um sympathy for her near the end of the movie and just to just to breeze through a couple of things right after that because i do want to talk about what you actually believed happened um what did you think about the scenes where she's actually going to the olympics and i think that jeff she gets away from jeff and then he comes back and tries to force her to stay with him or something like that and he's like what what do i do you know like the fbi's after me i'm going to get taken in uh what should i do and tanya harding says i really just think you should kill yourself yeah that, that was go ahead uh, well i mean it was just really sad and then um that scene where she's getting ready for her performance in the olympics like just watching marco robbie's facial expressions just how pained she was and how stressed out like all that pressure plus all the investigation like i can't imagine all the things that were running through her head and she has to put together this uh you know amazing run at the olympics yeah i just can't imagine and then the female if, single short program 
<laughs> yeah, and if it if the thing with her skate real, you know, if that it was real or if she just kind of was doing that to stall for time, but if it was real, just you know, just another thing, just one more thing that she's dealing with. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Take her out of her headspace and like just just have that any semblance of preparation just taken away. This young star just completely self-imploding you know what i mean yeah yep absolutely self-imploding good yeah but um yeah i mean so there's there's a couple of scenes that are really good of her going into those olympics um pop quiz what's the song that she was dancing or that she was skating to in that winter olympics uh was it that song from guardians no, it was not. Oh, that that's the actual song that they play on the soundtrack, but in real life, the theme song that she chose to dance or chose to skate to in the 1994 Winter Olympics was a theme from Jurassic Park. So, boom. Oh. Very fun. Cool. Yeah. Uh baby. Yeah, but when does it play Break the Chain or when does it play The Chain by uh, Fleetwood Mac? It does that something like right when she gets away from gets away from Jeff or something like that. I thought that was an effective music cue. I really liked that. Yeah. A lot of well, good music in, whole, in this movie. Yeah, the the music in this movie was really good and plays um, on that eighties nostalgia. Yeah, exactly. Good good music time mm-hmm. piece. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah, definitely. Um but yeah, I I definitely agree that um one of the most heartbreaking aspects is watching her fail to get her skate on and go out there and just not succeed at the Olympics. And whether whether that whole skate thing was real or not, um, it was particularly heartbreaking. And I've actually watched that um, the video of that happening like live in the real Tanya Harding going through that. And it's not really that far off. That's the thing is a lot of a lot of the stuff that they do in this movie. If you look up the real thing, uh, it's not too far from the truth. So, they, it's, yeah, they recreated it pretty well. I, I looked up like the differences between I, Tanya and. The actual story and like some of the pictures they were showing were they did a good job like with costume with uh, the actors and their costumes uh, that they wore and like the the costumes that uh, Tanya Harding wore. Mm -hmm. They did a pretty good job in recreating pretty effectively uh, what it actually looked like. It seemed like anyway. Yeah, no, totally. Much agreed. Um, Yeah. So I think that they did a good job. And then the movie ends up with her getting um, her skating taken away. She's not allowed to skate anymore. And she pleads, uh, pleads to the whatever, I don't know, I don't know who that is, whatever court she's, she's being judged by. Um, but she's pleading to them, like, you might as well take away my life. Like, I don't have any will to live if I can't skate. Um, right. Send you know, me to jail. For yeah. Lock me up for years. an amount of time, please. But don't take away months. skating. And that was, that was also heartbreaking. Um, pretty heartbreaking as well uh i kind of choked up during that scene but then it shows her at the very end of the movie and she is boxing <laughs> yeah that's <laughs> pretty like, sad <laughs> she did that and then she did some other like uh like uh she did like deck building and well there was another like where she was like a commentator on a show where people it's kind of like america's funniest home videos except for sports or something like that um she did that as well. So she did a couple things to try to remain in the spotlight. Um, but right. very tragic tale for Tanya Harding. I think this is a quote uh, that they said near the end of the end of the film. Uh, I was loved for a minute. Then I was hated. Then I was just a punchline. And it is very true. 
um, yep. throughout the early 90s and into the late 90s, and even now, uh, Tanya Harding is used as a punchline in various things. I watched some of the SNL stuff that they did during that time, and it's really, really, I mean, it's funny stuff, but uh, I'm not going to say sure that it wasn't funny. Quite but Yeah, but I mean, it is, it's sad how much they just preyed on her. Um, and so there is there is a lot of satire and a lot of making fun of what happened. But I think that this is the biggest the biggest point for me that I want to ask you is do you think that there is a version of this story in which we walk away feeling bad for Tanya Harding or because we don't really know her level of commitment or knowledge of what was actually going to happen. So we really can't judge how much she should be punished for what happened. You know what I mean? Because even if it is, as it says in the movie, that the only knowledge she had was that they were going to send a death threat, some just a harmless death threat, and then maybe she'll pull out. It's like you're still sending a right. death threat to your competitor. You're, you know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, you're still not uh, being very sportsmanlike, and I get I get that totally. But, I mean, are we, are we going to start to get into it? Get into it. Yeah, yeah. Just how we, okay. So, me personally, I walked away from the movie. Um, and this is purely based on the knowledge I got from the movie. I personally felt bad for Tanya, and I thought she was treated very unfairly and much more harshly than any of the other people. I mean, Jeff Galuli got two years, um, and a hundred thousand dollar fine. Sean, uh, got charged with racketeering. Um, and the other two got conspiracy to commit uh, second-degree assault. But Tanya Harding got conspiracy to hinder persecution, which, yeah, sure. She got three years probation, $160,000 fine, 500 hours of community service, and they stripped her of her title and banned her from membership for life. And I just think that's way harsher than any of the other sentences. Like, I get... Uh, bad sportsmanship but that to me seemed a little little harsh yeah i mean i can agree i i that sounds really really rough i didn't know about a couple of those things but um yeah that that's pretty rough i don't know where i stand real quick sean uh i guess he died like 10 years yeah, he was ago. only 40 yeah he died pretty young so um i don't know bummer it's like we make fun of the guy and then it's like oh but he's dead now so Sorry. Well, I think that's what being morbidly obese will do to you. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah, totally. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I don't know where I stand on this because it is it is one of those things where um you just nobody knows exactly what happened. I think the movie right. kind of tries to fall in the middle of it where even even the movie though, it seems it seems to make her more of a victim than I think she may have really been. But who knows? Who knows? It's really... Yeah, it's, it's true. I mean, the movie definitely painted her in a more uh, sympathetic picture than she might have been. But if the movie is to be believed, um, you know, I, you know, how culpable was she really? Like, in her mind, it was just a death threat. And then these guys went out on their own and uh, physically assaulted someone. You know, if she would have known that. But who knows? <clears throat> she could have known. Who knows? Yeah, she she, she very really well knows. could have known that that was going on and been encouraging it as well. And now she's just playing innocent. Uh, but yeah, it is <laughs> it is interesting how much 
uh, how in the spotlight she was for such a long time because it is just such a ridiculous thing that happened. I mean, again, you just can't make it up. I mean, it's absolutely yeah. ridiculous and insane. So, um, yeah, I don't know if you had too much more to add here. Uh, no, I think we covered. I mean, I, I know people would argue, uh, like, you know, you do that, you get kicked out. But um, to, and then I read also that she was like, quote unquote, per, persona non grata, at like amateur events, like to not even to to stain her name that much. It's like. Like I said before, I just don't think that seems fair to take away one thing and they were giving her a life sentence, you know? Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, it does seem a bit harsh. Um, I can't make a ruling on it. I don't know what really happened, but right. Yeah, I would say, I don't know. Yeah, it's just it's an interesting movie. So for sure. Yep. Um, it seems it like movie, it seems like she's because I just I just listened to a recent podcast of the New York Times, uh, the Daily with Michael Barbaro, and they interviewed Tanya Harding, and it seems as though she has a decent life now. I think she has a couple kids. She's married. Um, and she did all that stuff for a solid, like 10 years. I can't remember what she does for work now, but she seems happily married and she's a mom and kind of moved on, but she'll never be, never be entirely out of the spotlight. And it's something that, something that will never go away. You know, it's, Mm -hmm. it's never going to be like, uh, she's never going to return to normalcy because she will always be Tanya Harding, the girl that, uh, broke her competitor's leg, you know, or, you know, something similar to that. So no, exactly. So she'll, she'll, and like, uh, Jeff Galuli, I saw that he changed his name and then, um, he remarried. And if the article that I read can be believed, he, his second wife, they divorced. And then his third wife actually killed herself. (laughs) So, oh my gosh. And I think he was physically abusive to both. I would imagine it wouldn't have just stopped with Tanya. Um, but he seems like, uh, a pretty, not a pretty, not good dude. You know, he puts on this front of being like a decent person. And I mean, that's harsh for me to say, but, uh, just based on the movie and based on the little amount that I've read, if it can be believed, he he definitely doesn't seem like a very stand up character. And it seems as though this in this whole situation that he may have been the instigator for a lot of it because he is such a violent human being. And regardless of what he says, we all know he is. I mean, you know, if you beat your wife, then hello. <laughs> you're mm-hmm. you're not a good person. Sorry. Um, right. So yeah, I think that I think that that in itself is kind of a little bit maybe redeeming for Tanya, just because. Okay, well, this is such a shady character. Then we, I think we can safely assume that a lot of it was him. So um, or most right. of it. But then again, what do we know? So. Yep. Yeah, I yeah, but overall, I thought that I Tanya's fantastic movie, super fun. Um, I don't know if it, it'll be on my like common rewatch or anything like that, but I really did no, enjoy it. Not. I would imagine that Margot Robbie, um, I don't think she's going to snag the, uh, the best actress or anything like that. Um, I don't think so either. Allison Janney though might. Allison Janney has a good, I think a that she has a good Margot chance. Robbie. I think. 
Um, I guess, I don't know. I haven't seen all the other categories of uh, supporting actresses, but. Well, the thing is, is that she's up, uh, Margot Robbie's up against Sally Hawkins for Shape of Water. And then she's also up against Frances McDormand for Three Billboards, which they're both going to be coming in hot. And Cersei Ronan for uh, Lady Bird and Meryl Streep for The Post. So I'd say well, that. Oh, Margot Robbie's definitely not. <laughs> yeah, she's she's probably but... number five out of that. I haven't seen The Post yet. But I'd say that it's Meryl Streep. So <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So she could but be supporting actresses, though. I do. You know who the women in that category are? Yeah. So the girl from Phantom Thread. I don't know her. Uh, but Laurie oh, Metcalf yeah. and Lady Bird, who was really good. Um, she was fantastic. Mary J. Blige for Mudbound. I didn't see. I haven't seen Mudbound yet. Um, and then also Octavia Spencer for The Shape of Water. And. I love Octavia Spencer. I think she's great, but I don't think that she deserves to win over. I think it's going to be Allison Janney and Laurie Metcalf. One of those two will get it. Um, but who knows? I haven't seen I, I haven't seen Mudbound or Phantom Thread, so maybe those two right. will end up being runaways. Uh, I uh, I didn't see Lady Bird. Does uh, does she get more screen time than Allison Janney did? Yes. Okay. Well, I would. Yeah, I would. Th- I think so. I. It seemed. Seemed like it. Um, yeah. Which is too bad for her because, I mean, just the fact, like, she stole all the scenes she was in. She was great. She's a very compelling character, and the way she portrayed her mother was excellent. Um, I don't know if it was accurate, but the way that she acted it was really good. But, uh, I'm and like, like we said earlier, she even makes the comment she's kind of getting booted out of the movie or not getting as much screen time. So it's not as many opportunities for her to show how good she is, even if the small number that she was in was very good. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, I don't know. I don't know who I go for. I'm going to be happy if either one of them takes it home because they're both, they were both great. So, and then it's also up for film editing as well. So I don't see it winning that. But probably not. Either way, it could be good. I don't know. Nominees aren't fantastic. Dunkirk's up for a bunch of stuff, and it's like anything technical. I feel like Dunkirk's got to get. <laughs> you know what I mean? I don't know, man. I I feel bad, but I feel like Dunkirk or Christopher Nolan might get snubbed again, just again and again. You know, but uh, if he's gonna get an Oscar for a movie. Like it's Dunkirk's, sure. well, no, I don't think that Dunkirk's the one though. I think that I think that technically Dunkirk was incredible, but I don't think that it is necessarily an amazing. Um, I don't know how to word that and not sound insulting to that movie, but it's it's not a movie about characters, and that's what so much of the Oscars is looking for. You know what I mean? It's yeah. it's character pieces that are character driven, and that that is more of like an IMAX experience. And so, how much are you willing to award um, somebody for making a movie that was pretty much just the best IMAX experience ever? Because I haven't watched I haven't watched Dunkirk at home yet, but I would imagine it's far less entertaining when it's not all in your face. You know what I mean? Right. It's just, no, it, totally. it doesn't have the rewatch value if I'm not seeing it the way that it's intended to be watched. So like I can watch Saving Private Ryan again and again and again. Dunkirk, I don't really feel like watching again and again because it's just right. jump in here and watch the Battle of Dunkirk unfold or the rescue of Dunkirk unfold. Right. And it's like, just okay. an intense, intense emotion roller coaster for 
mm-hmm. however long. Yeah, and uh, but and I do think it's inc- an incredible movie. I absolutely loved absolutely. Dunkirk. I had a blast with it. But I just I don't think that it's more. I don't think it's as Oscar-y as he could do. Maybe maybe at some point, uh, Christopher Nolan will make a movie that seems. Um, like more of an Oscar movie. I don't think there's has been much. Maybe the Prestige, or like Inception or something, could be close to that. But he's just so so much more of a Interstellar, maybe for yeah. That's effects. a good point too. Yeah, but yeah, he'll probably win like best sound mixing and editing. But other than that, yeah, the sound. Yeah, yeah, the sound was incredible. So. I I kind of thought Hans Zimmer would be up for uh, two different movies, um, for Dunkirk and then uh, Blade Runner. But I don't think he got nominated for Blade Runner. Did he not? I don't think for Blade Runner, but for Dunkirk, I think he did. Or maybe it's the other way around. But he, yeah, he only got one, I'm pretty sure. It wasn't both movies. Wow. But I would have thought both because both soundtracks were phenomenal. Yeah, no, okay, yeah, he did. He got nominated for Dunkirk. Yeah. But not Blade Runner. Yeah. That's crazy. Dude, maybe look, um, we, Maybe that's because... Did he do the original? Uh, The original what? Blade Runner? Yeah. No, I don't think so. Okay, well, maybe it's just because he kind of expanded on the original. But there was so much more. Yeah. Than the original. It was better. <laughs> Dude, look at like best director though. Guillermo del Toro, Jordan Peele, Greta Gerwig, Christopher Nolan, and Paul Thomas Anderson. Talk about a stacked category. Yeah. I mean, I don't know I don't know much about tough. Greta Gerwig. I know, I think this is like her first uh one of her first movies she had ever done. She's really young, but the other ones, I mean, those are pretty big. Jordan Peele's new too, but we all know who Jordan Peele is. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So very interesting. Yeah, we should do. We should get together and just talk about the Oscars sometime. We should we should break yeah. down the Oscars after the Oscars. That'd be fun. Let's do that. Great. Um, but yeah, anything else you want to say about I, Tanya? I think I'm. I think I'm pretty set. No, I think I think that's good. It's okay. a good movie. Glad we glad we got to it. It was a good movie. You should check it out if you haven't seen it. Yeah, if you haven't seen it, definitely go go and watch it before the Oscars for sure. Um, so in closing, I'll just ask you one question: Do you think that this movie is better or worse? Than School of Rock. Um, School of Rock's better. You're answering on honestly. No. <laughs> <laughs> I usually just say that to appease you. <laughs> it's okay. You don't have to win me over on this one. You can speak your honest feelings about okay, it. Okay, I Tanya was definitely better than School of Rock. <laughs> I honestly. And wholeheartedly disagree. And I'm not saying <laughs> I'm not saying that I think that I'm not saying that I like personally like School of Rock more than this movie. I'm literally saying that School of Rock is a better movie than this. Well, that's <laughs> just like your opinion, man. <laughs> <laughs> just far more entertaining. So uh, okay. It'll, no, that's fine. it'll stand the testament of time. If people are going to be rewatch a movie, they're going to pick School of Rock every time over I, Tanya. So, boom. There you go. But Definitively. <laughs> definitively. I think, oh, you know what would have been good, though, is Jack Black playing Sean. I think that he could have done a really good job he in that character. That would have been, been pretty good. I agree. Oh, man, that would have been. No, but I am. Missed but opportunity. I, oh, 
Gosh, why didn't they cast? Why don't they cast him in everything? They should He's just the greatest actor of multiple generations. They need to clone, like they need to come up like with a way to clone Jack Black and make multiple versions of him so that he can be in every single movie. Just like altered carbon, just beam him up or whatever. I know exactly. We just fit, started what we we just got through a couple episodes of altered carbon, so I guess we got clones and um, artificial human beings on the mind. But uh, anyway, great show. Great times. Thank you so much for uh, joining us this this week, Zach, or just joining me. Yeah. Thank you for having me. I I always enjoy it. Absolutely. We love movies. Um, So thank you so much for listening, guys. Danny should be back next week. We'll be talking, I believe, about Black Panther. So until then, we'll be living our lives a quarter mile at a time.